Okay, recording has started. So Elon Musk, Twitter, people. Well, I just they're they're you know I was just saying I'm so far we're so far in our own end zone that I have to root for Elon Musk because there's no other choice. There's no other on ramp, and it couldn't be worse than the current people at Twitter. So. Hopefully he'll be forced to buy it. I really don't care if he gets it for his asking price or a lower price because of bots. He just needs a change of leadership, and he needs to stick to what he said about lifting permabans and saying you can say whatever as long as it's within the law. Because right now they just completely censor one side of the narrative, like, oh, you didn't panic sufficiently with corona? or well, you don't get to talk. Oh, he's telling the truth about the Bidens? You don't get to talk. And it's always a left-wing agenda. And that pretty much got exposed on Joe Rogan's show when Jack Dorsey was on there, and I think Tim Poole was on there, and some lawyer was on there. They were so oblivious to their own bias, though, like with the trans stuff. Like, they weren't even aware that they had taken a side. Like, well, that's a neutral thing. No, it's not. <laughs> you just took a political position. They're so lost. Well, uh, well that's how uh, since far you we meant- are. Yeah, yeah. Since you mentioned the Joe Rogan uh, experience, uh, a, a viral video made by a small channel on YouTube where they analyzed the guests that Joe Rogan had, and forty-two percent. Yes, forty-two percent of the guests turned out to be. <laughs> you have the gonk. Forty-two yes. percent of the political guests were yes, they excluded right. mma and comedians but uh, i think part the, of that is because he just lived in hollywood for so long and that's who's around his circle of friends or whatever but yeah, yeah it's that's all, all it's and it's <laughs> it's a hundred percent left wing with the exception of dingaling shapiro jordan peterson and like two other people every single other political guest he had was a leftist he even had former cia agents on there and stuff so it's just, yeah. you shouldn't be watching Rogan for politics, but I'll tell you what red-pilled him. <laughs> it was that time oh. he took ivermectin and everybody said, Joe Rogan's taking horse dewormer. Now, he knows that's not true. And he knows that's insincere. And I think that got him on the path of man. And then everyone got on his case for saying the N-word, like, way back in the day. And I think the context is like in a song or like quoting Richard Pryor. He wasn't using it in a derogatory way at all. But they just went and clipped it, forced him to apologize and stuff. Like, and you know why? It was right after he had a doctor on to, to give one time the other side against the COVID panic. And then they all, they just like swept through Rogan's entire media history to find something to smear him with. I think that woke him up. So now he's sitting there saying, Man, everybody panicked at the mask and blah, blah, blah. And someone said, well, what should they do? He goes, vote Republican. <laughs> you know, I guess. So, I mean, at least some of the red states opposed it. But that panic never would have taken hold, never would have had that power without social media completely castrating one side and only allowing the hand-waving, neurotic, panic attack people to talk. No one else got to speak. That's why Twitter needs to be cleaned up. Like, forget about Meta, and you can forget about YouTube. They're never going to change. It it would take. It's like Ralph Nader said: only the billionaires can save us. The only solution is free market, because the government's even as bad as the worst company is. The government's always worse, and so because the government is just a clunk, like 
the managerial arm for all the corporate interests and all their evil put together. That's who selects our government is the donor class. They're always going to be worse. So if some spurg like Elon Musk can get in there and just say, oh, I'm entertained by the back and forth. I don't like having only left-wing views on a platform. We're going to bring people back. Great. Do it. They're going to try everything they can to stall and stop it, especially before November. They really don't want Twitter having an inkling of free speech before the elections. U.S. midterms, that is. Uh, yeah, uh, well, they, they, they learned their lesson in 2016, and everything we've been dealing with since then has just been them trying to tamp down on this uh, free and open discussion that's been going on. Which they admitted. We can't let 2020 yeah. be another 2016. We must use our influence to get the outcome we want. All that Section 230 stuff is such a waste of time. Antitrust laws, all that. You, you think the government wants free speech? It doesn't. And if you're looking at the government to save you, you got Stockholm Syndrome. Well, the free market the is the only solution, and that's kind of a shitty solution too, but it's the only actual solution there is short of violence there are no other well, solutions well the government is uh, colluding uh, specifically with the social media companies to get users they deem uh, inappropriate banned as as the white oh, house yeah. did with a, 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 a anthony fauci parody account uh, they anthony uh, you mispronounced you you mispronounced antichrist antichrist uh, he is. He is the fucking. He, he even calls himself the science. No, <laughs> he is the antichrist for real. That guy with the AIDS medication and the COVID. I love when Senator Rand Paul got on his case today. Says, "How come you won't tell us who's getting royalties from Big Pharma?" And then he's like, "When we get power, which is in uh, two months, <laughs> when we get power, we're gonna find out. We're gonna do our FOIA request. You're not gonna be able to block it. And we're gonna see who got royalties from Big Pharma." And you could see Fauci shaking, like trembling at his fucking desk. They all profiteered. And is anyone shocked? Why? How, like, where have you been your entire life to not know how corrupt governments are? And that, yes, health institutions will profiteer and make a mountain out of a molehill. Like, nobody here, no one alive today has ever lived through an actual pandemic. None of us. We don't know what that's like. No one knows how horrible and scary, like, something like smallpox or something or the Black Plague would have been. We had pretend panic. Wear a mask. Wear a mask. I also thought it was funny that Dr. Fauci lost his Yankee accent when uh, you could see that video of him in 2004 talking like a normal person. He wasn't doing the whole, well, Dr. Paul, I want a cactus in my asshole. It's just like every time AOC or Hillary goes down south and picks up a fake southern accent, Dr. Fauci, just he gets more and more Boston-y. Sometimes he's got the New York one, too. The flip-flopping between accents doesn't make any sense. Hey, everything about the guy is a fraud. He's a fucking liar. He's incapable of telling the truth. 
Yes. He's on tape, and you're showing himself on tape. Here's what you're saying. I wasn't saying that. Like, let's watch it again. Yes, you were. And then, uh, you know, the Democrats come to his fence. We're, we're not going to be able to submit this tape. Oh, we've run out of time. Oh, we're... Oh, yeah, you got something more important to do than prosecuting the fear mongers that created a panic that shut down the world for two years and cost hundreds of billions of dollars and people lost their jobs and a whole bunch of people rolled the dice at vaccine that turned out were deadly, just like we said they were, and getting blood clots, myocarditis. All that stuff was true. All the stuff that Pug and I said in like the second week of corona was correct. So that information was out that early or earlier. And it wasn't disseminated because if you said any of that stuff, you got shut down. Just like the laptop and a whole series of stories that's bad for the Democratic Party. The FBI is social. The FBI is not forcing these companies to act like that. They are willingly working with them in a full agreement to get rid of conservatives and libertarians. Yes, they don't want free speech. They well, never want free speech. Yeah, uh, the slow march. We fact check this or disinformation. You're not allowed to do. What's disinformation? Is it incorrect information? It's just any information your side doesn't like. Like even when the CDC clearly came out and said, you know what? You don't need masks. You don't know you're wrong about everything. And every state, I think, has gotten rid of masks. Right? I don't know about every city, but every state, you don't have to do it in the United States anymore. You still have corona. Some people are vaccinated, some aren't. Doesn't matter. It doesn't stop you from transmitting it. Doesn't stop you from getting it. Doesn't stop you from dying from it. It doesn't do anything except add an extra risk because you might have adverse effects to the vaccine itself. It's stupid. Can you believe that happened? Like, shouldn't that should make people more pissed off than anything? I know there's a war going on. I'm about I'm going to talk about Ukraine too. I'm going to talk about Armenia and Azerbaijan too, but. Man, like, what cognitive distance excuse? This is worse than, yeah, we said there were weapons of mass destruction. Oops, no, there weren't. Although Crenshaw's like, yeah, we found them. He's still fucking lying, right? He's lying to himself, too, little dwarf. Fucking oh, did you see how? Did you see how upset he became when uh, Stein called him a dwarf? I'm he bigger really than you. Life. You little dwarf. <laughs> Yeah, he's got short man syndrome for sure. Well, he's Ben Shapiro's size. So, the fool. I think he's shorter than Ben. I've but seen Ben Shapiro doesn't ben. try to act like a tough guy marine man or whatever. He's oh, just a lawyer. Have you seen Dan Crenshaw's ad? Yeah, do you remember the one that I was making before my guy got arrested? It was Z-I-O, and he was jumping out of a plane and lands on yeah. the Antifa people, and the dildo they had in the car ends up going up his ass and impales him. It was a funny commercial, but uh, we only had the pencil drawings done. We never got to animate it. Sucks. It was going to be awesome. Yes, but dang Crenshaw's ads. We had, had home hard. Go up his butt and out his eye patch. It was awesome. It was so funny. <laughs> going, <"Nee." clears throat> oh well. Yeah, Dan Crenshaw is just a fucking midget, Zio cuck. 
he cares more about Ukraine's borders than the U.S. He cares more about Israel than anything because it means he wants his money and most likely compromised. When people cuck that hard for Israel and they don't really have like a religious ideological attachment or something, they're just full on Israel. They're probably compromised. Like, what'd you do? What little boy did you uh, touch? Uh, do you know he has a YouTube channel? Crenshaw? Yes. Well, they let all the criminals speak on there. They well, won't let has... they like they won't let people like Julian Assange speak at all, right? He's in prison forever. Um, Snowden's exiled. Journalists get fired. Or you look what happened to that German journalist recently, right? Like, and all the rest of these get banned, and they go after our finances. They cut you off from Patreon, PayPal. They go through the list, right? Stripe. They, they kick you off everything for telling the truth. But if you want to promote war on YouTube, you can do that all fucking day. That's not hate speech. They love it when you promote war. If you debunk the lies that lead to war, you're now a criminal, a hate speech criminal. You're a bully. You've bullied the liars. They'll flag you for bullying and harassment. Yeah, so dang Dude, hold on. We live in a technocratic dystopian nightmare, just like Uncle Ted was saying was going to happen. It's going to get worse. They're going to get metadata on everyone. They're going to control. 9% of the population is going to fall for it. They're going to you know, be able to manipulate these people with advertisements and everything. They know every, all their likes, all their dislikes, all their habits, where they shop, what they eat, everything they buy is tracked. And it's going to steer them like a rat in a maze. Give them the minimum, feed them bugs, give them drugs and computer games, and just distract them the whole life. Living in a little fucking fantasy realm. Look how many hours people are plugged in already watching Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, Disney, whatever hell it, you know, something off their computer. And then add to that all the first person shooter games and stuff. They, they're, as much of their day as possible is engaged in a make believe universe. Of digital stimulation and on top of that a lot of them are adding drugs and alcohol is also a drug and like it gets them completely out of the way of the real world they're completely engaged in their little avatar life instead of their actual life the little character they made online and their their meta crap and stuff that's where they're gonna live it's like the holodeck on Star Trek it's like why even go to the rest of the ship you could just play in there forever and they're gonna play their life away That's how they yes. keep people compliant. Oh, you don't you don't like getting raped in the ass and high gas prices and food prices and all that? That's okay. Halo three or whatever's out, so you know, smoke some well, weed, play this game all day, you and you won't care. Well and here's some uh, porn, uh, throw some pornography in there too, you know. You Yeah, you're not so angry, are you? You have enough. Well, oh, okay, so um <laughs> after World War Two, there were two visions for the coming uh, dystopia, the coming authoritarianism. It was either uh, Orwell's 1984, which was an incredibly oppressive and authoritarian system that, like, uh, brain, like that, uh, analyzed your brain to look for a dissident uh, feelings. And then there was also uh, a brave new world. And we're getting a combination of both those visions. We're yeah. getting the docile, stupid people just sitting on their couch, smoking the weed, watching the entertainment, and 
if you have dissident uh, tendencies, then you get uh, you get dealt with, uh, uh, yep. and you get to feel uh, the power of the system. But the people on the couch will never know you live like that. Never know that exists. Wow. Once you're canceled, you're invisible. And, and no one no one knows that. Like, what? What's your Facebook? What's your Insta? What's your this? What's your that? They just assume you have a Twitter handle or a Facebook. I'm like, no, no, I'm not on any of that. I'm too truthful. What? Huh? And they think the only oh, what are you a white nationalist or something? Like, well, why would you ever be banned from stuff? I'm like, well, um, I said they're over panicking on Rona. I mean, you for me, it, go, it would go all the way back to September 11th, and I've been in trouble ever since. Then. <laughs> but at, at all the no's I have said and done, uh, you know, people like Red Ice. Like, I watched those. It's a couple mostly. It's most the network, right? Those two got banned on all the same shit I got banned on, and their banks got fucking with them. They got kicked off Coinbase, so did I. They got kicked off uh, Wachovia. They, you know, and there's, they don't get to go in the Tucker Carlson or any other show and say what happened to them. And there's lots of people like that. Like someone like Alex Jones or Andrew Tate, like, well, okay, they get banned, but they also get to go in the news and cry about it. But a lot of people, they just, they work their ass off every day, digging up stories, putting them out there, and then they get erased, and then they're just invisible. They build a few hundred followers up on Odyssey or something. It's just they're relegated to insignificance no matter what they find. You could discover who killed JFK, and this is not even like a hypothetical thing, and tell the world, and no one would know unless you're on one of these major channels. If you don't have an on-ramp, well, you are invisible forever. Yeah, I, I do have a story here that ties in with this, and it is from The Print uh, India, which is a magazine in India. 60 to 80% of Twitter accounts posting Russia-Ukraine war, bots. 90% pro-Ukraine finds new study. So a scholar from the University of Adelaide studied 5.2 million posts and found wow. most of the most of the posts were by bots. Like robots. Well, uh, it's well. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, normal people don't understand what you mean when you say bots, but uh, like uh, scripts, programs, automated uh, social media. Uh, programs that operate uh, armies of accounts that like, can make some trend, can make something appear as a very uh, uh, significant without actually having humans uh, agree. Yeah. They test that too. Uh... The original word for bot was like a robot. started with America Online. It's called AOL, one of the early progenitors of the internet in the 90s. And the first thing they used them on was like cyber sex people. They would go, the, like, people were just discovering what the internet, like what, how it worked and what it was, and that you could talk to someone else who was on another computer in the like chat windows. You couldn't talk, you could type back and forth to be real clear. 
uh, text messaging on a computer, and that was a brand new thing. And then, you know, of course, the thing everyone was interested in was sex and trying to get a naked picture. And they would go around going ASL, ASL, which is age, sex, location. It was weird that they put location in there, like, what are you planning on meeting this person in your life, you know? But that's what they would do. And they developed bots because they, they saw so many of these millions of these conversations of how they'd start, what the opening lines were, or whatever. That and it's, oh, it's like 98% dudes, by the way, trying to find a girl. Just like any um, dating app or whatever. It's all guys. And so they would come up with a script where some robot would talk to a guy for like six or seven lines in a row before he would figure out it's not really a person. Because they could anticipate what he's going to say that well just based on that attack. I imagine now it would be nearly indistinguishable. Like the bots would be so advanced that someone might talk to them several days in a row and not know that it's a machine. Yes, yes. That is completely um, yeah. the case. But it also speaks to like uh, the the fact that I had to get this article from a uh, Indian publication. It's like uh, the the reporting you're gonna get depends on your nation's stand on the war. Yeah, that's because governments control media. No one has yeah. free speech. Nowhere in the world. You know, well, in India yeah, we, is, we, is making a lot of money as being the middleman for Russian oil and gas. Yeah. But it, what's funny is they're selling it to the Americans. And it's Europe that's desperate for it. What's going to the U.S.? <sighs> yes. There, Germany has committed suicide. Yeah, they have to lift these sanctions. They have to. They should fulfill these contracts, or it's going to be all, nearly an irreversible amount of damage they're about to do themselves this winter. Oh, which well, is we, sad. Yeah, we talked about this earlier. Who's going to be the first people to riot during fuel shortages and food shortages in Germany? Well, the first strikes will be in France, but the first violent. Because it doesn't matter unless there's violence. Yes. It's, that's going to be Germany. And I think you're going to have to vote of no confidence first. And when the next shill just does the same shit, then they have to turn to violence. They have no other way out of this. They don't have media. They don't have free speech. Their politicians don't give a fuck about them. They're beholden to ESGs and the donor class and the rest of it. The only way out is revolt. And the only way to get revolt is pain, and they're going to get that when they start to freeze and have nothing to eat. Yeah, but Does it have ones, to get that bad. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but the ones rioting the first will be the migrants because this isn't what they signed up for. They went to the west to become oh, rich. That, well, absolutely. Well, they're the ones with the most testosterone too. So that you too, and I yes. talked about this earlier, like. Oh, is it going to be city versus rural or class war? I said, no. Nah. The cities are going to eat themselves. The migrants uh, and other 
ethnic groups and stuff are going to just loot and burn and steal when as soon as they can't afford things when benefits get stripped down they're just going to take it from people and you know we already saw in the u.s in just from george soros's little click how much a wealth uh financed group of people and we're only talking like 800 people can go around and set cities on fire and loot one store after another but in america they looted target they looted AutoZone. They uh, did arson in like car lots and stuff and hit commercial properties. But they did not loot residential zones because in America, people are allowed to own guns. And they, there's at least the threat of, oh, I'm not going to someone's house when they shoot me. There's a lot more stuff in a commercial property. You benefit a lot more from robbing Louis Vuitton or whatever than you are someone's home. But they're, you know, they're that close, right? Antifa did go out through, broke a gate down on a gated community, was headed toward these giant mansions, and two people stood outside with guns, and that was enough to, you know, make them keep on walking. And Kyle Rittenhouse showed after three days of looting, on the third day, went out there and killed three communists or two communists and injured another um, communist pedophile. And guess what happened the next day? No looting. One act of violence ended it. But what if yes. you're in a society that doesn't have guns, like all of Europe? Well, they can just be able to steal, burn, and loot all day, every day. And there's nothing you can do about it but rely on the police who are not going to help you. So in America, they're already they're defanging the police legally, tying their hands. You know what's worse than police abuse? criminals and they're, they're unarrestable in certain parts like chicago other parts of illinois parts of california where well if it's only 950 dollars worth of stuff you don't even go to jail you're in and out you can go do it again repeat offenders all that they're gonna eat themselves the combination of liberal policies and an underclass that thinks there's no consequences for this kind of behavior they are going to burn, loot, steal. Better get a gun while you're still allowed. But in Europe, they're going to be 100 times worse. They don't have guns, and they're seriously running out of fuel, electricity, fertilizer, like across the board. America is not going to have shortages like that. It's just going to be expensive. They're still going to have everything, though. Europe's doomed. Germany, especially, doomed. Norway is the only one that is self-sufficient, really. And now they're putting caps on them. Like, what are you doing? Are you trying to destroy your own country? Yeah. Well, they want to do price controls, and they want to also do, like, this uh, uh, solidarity yeah. pool where you... Oh, yes. You, the profits yes. from your energy sales get, like, pooled to alleviate uh, poor people. And that's oh yeah, great. How... Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's turn all of Europe into Latin America. Well, that's it, well, okay. So the energy market works as like the cost of production for the last uh, kilowatt. That is the cost of production for the entire market. So you might have a lot of producers that can produce a kilowatt of electricity for lower than that, but to actually fill the need, 
the last kilowatt will cost close to market price because that's that's the situation like they wouldn't produce that last kilowatt if the prices weren't that high uh, yeah of course and and uh, doing price controls which is what they're uh, talking about that's not that's just going to kill uh, production across the board yes it yeah, if you limit how much you can profit from it. It's just, it's just simple. I mean, I don't have to spell this out again. I always give the example of, this, of food and stuff. Oh, let's let's make steak uh, 50 cents. We'll make eggs 5 cents. Okay. First day, all the stores run out of steak and eggs because they're so cheap. But the cost the producer more to raise the cows and chickens and stuff to make the steak and eggs and what they can sell it for, they're going to quit ranching. They're going to quit farming because it's not feasible. If it ever costs more to produce the product than the profits you can make from selling the product, no one's going to produce it. And then you end up with nothing but empty shelves. A little bit different with electricity, but it's like, okay, you're going to pay for the labor and all the things that are required, refinery and maintenance machines and yada, 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 to get X number of kilowatts of electricity or whatever. But if you have shortages because of sanctions, you cannot just, oh, let's just work three times as long. No, you look, you can only make so much per hour. You can't just triple the size of the labor force and build more refineries and discover oil somewhere else or whatever. Like, you can't do that. You've always been buying oil and gas from Russia, and there's no replacement. You can't just like, oh, well, we'll just sell more of our own oil. You don't have any more. You're already selling your... There's no, there's no replacement for it. And, and those products, if you're going to make gasoline out of it and stuff, I mean, you got to build refineries and all these things you don't have a way of processing this oil and gas you don't have a way of getting more oil and gas you don't have a way of distributing more oil and gas and then if you're going to turn that into electricity you're adding a whole bunch of other series of things you don't have the infrastructure for you don't and, and this is all skilled labor by the way and you can't just like oh we'll just we'll just make more of that or something it doesn't work like that and the same with food you have whatever you planted last year. You can't just like, well, we'll just make some more wheat. It doesn't work like that. They're uh, so screwed. Yes. Well, I, I shared uh, an example on my on my channel on YouTube about this uh, farmer that grew 29 tons of hives. And uh, he, he was going to uh, store it uh, in a cool temperature and sell it during the winter. But because of the increased cost of electricity, that did not financially make sense. So he instead chose to destroy his uh, 70,000 crop of chives because he couldn't pay to store it. And that is what farmers will do if you don't make, make financial sense for them to bring vegetables and produce to market. Uh, you want to hear from the audience? Pirate AF wants to speak. Uh, he's a contributor. Yeah, and I'm going to go over the the battle stuff in Ukraine in a second. But let's hear from the audience. Yeah, Tired AF, you're on the line. 
Yeah, the farmers are absolutely fucked. I have uh, cows, but only to maintain like a AG exemption on my land. Uh, the price for hay bale went from $35 last year, which was apparently insanely expensive. It's now $90 a hay bale. And if you don't have hay bales, you can't feed your cows over the winter. What? Where do you live? Fuck. $90 for hay bale? Yep. $90 for hay bale. There wasn't enough rain. There wasn't enough rain, number one. Number two, nobody could afford fertilizer or or, uh, or herbicide to uh, cull the uh, the weeds. So basically, if you don't have the land, because like it's uh, like I have to maintain one cow per like, I think it's like five acres or something like that or 10 acres. So we have 10 cow, uh, 10, 10 cows for 80 acres, right? So we're fine. But like, it's nice to have supplemental feed during the winter because I think we went through like 15 hay bales last year. Um, but yeah, all the farmers nearby, they're like, yeah, it's like 90 bucks, 75 bucks of a hay bale, just because it's, it is what it is. Whatever they grew naturally is what it, what is all that's out there. Oh boy. $90. I mean, that's nearly triple from a year ago yeah. and it was bad a year ago. Yeah, it was bad a year ago. That's what it, because that, that was when we bought the cattle was a year ago. And they're like, uh, like, because oh, that's, that's just the price we were used to. So it was like, okay, well, I guess that's the normal. And they're like, no, this is not the normal. And then this year they didn't have any fertilizer or herbicide. So they have really bad hay and it's really expensive. Yeah, I used yeah, to grow yeah. hay for, for horses, but I'm sure it's the same hay and the same price. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's the same. It's yeah, like it's the same. Hay bale. Like little, yeah, it's the same size, quantity, and all that. And you can get paid to store them even. But like these people that live in urban cities and stuff, they think that like they think food just comes from the grocery store. Just like they think, oh, I'll get an electric car. Not understanding that when you plug that into the grid, that grid's getting electricity from fossil fuels. And they're like, well, you just go to the store and buy food. Like, well, that store got it from farms and ranches who had to grow it or kill it or whatever and and make it for you they had never seen it it's like you well, know in the back of their head they, they have to know like well the corn comes out of the ground or whatever, but they don't think that many steps so like we go to the grocery store and get that oh you get electricity from the wall well, where's the wall get the electricity from mm-hmm. you ask him like when you flush your toilet where does it go i don't know just away it, you think I'm kidding? Like people not. aren't that stupid? They are absolutely that stupid. Uh, they, uh, the cattle farmers are just like straight up liquidating their um, their herds because there's like a, there's like a price cartel. There's like three apparent because like I don't have to worry about this, right? I have ten cows. Like I I could sell that to like a local boutique butcher and make money, but like when you have like thousands of cattle it's a big deal. You ought to go to the, the three meat processing companies in the country. And apparently they, they just flat out price fix. So there's just no margins for them anymore. So the, uh, the cattle auction, the guy was telling me that, uh, the cattle auction opens up at 4am and normally finishes around like two or three in the afternoon. He says it went from 4am to 6am the next day, just because there were so many people selling their cows, any price, just take them. They can't even afford to take care of them. Yeah, because it didn't rain, so uh, it didn't rain this year uh, enough, so there wasn't enough grass. So, and there you can't afford hay, so it's like okay, well, supplemental feed, syrup, uh, it's just too expensive now. And no one's covering this, like in the press, 
Not even nope. I've been, anymore. I've been like we've been talking about this since uh, we were. Well, you and I have, but I mean, like end, you know, like, we the, you know, in the no, moment the war started. Mike and I talked about this on Republican Broadcasting Network last year. Much. Oh, no, not uh, last year. Last, no, last spring. Oh, almost. It was like it was like that was like that. It's before. It was like right when the war started in Ukraine, and now I was saying there's going to be shortages with the uh, fertilizer because that guy Kevin came on and talked about how that also relates to a lot of chemicals and fertilizer from natural gas, and whatever. It, it was like many months ago, but um, we talked about the rain problem and stuff. I know I did. I don't know. Maybe it was Pug. Whatever. I kept asking, like, who I could get on to talk about agriculture besides Jim Rogers. And I'm unable to reach him now that I have no presence anymore. Can't get uh, a guess like that. Yeah, uh, well, uh, there is a fundamental miscalculation in the Europeans' view of Russia. We thought they were dependent on us, and it turns out that we were dependent on them. We were dependent on them for an energy, fertilizer, a bunch of petrochemicals, uh, aluminum. Like they There's no way we didn't know we weren't dependent on them. There's no way on earth we didn't know. I mean, Trump told him. I mean, Trump's not the brightest bulb in the shed, and he was telling him in 2018, "You guys are idiots for turning off your nuclear they power." They laughed at him. The they laughed balls. at him. They yeah. laughed at him. They didn't believe him. Well, ha, yeah. Ha, ha. Then the, the, we'll just yeah, buy it from okay. France. Ha ha ha. Well, then that means that the Germans are suicidal. The entire German leadership. Like, why would they do this? Yeah, it's so Do you see what Larry Johnson, Johnson dug up? No. Go look at the paper the Rand Corporation put out on how they were purposely sabotaging Germany. Okay. It's uh, freakishly evil. Okay. Sonar21.com is like the third article down. Yeah. Uh, okay, let me uh, pull that up. But I allowed uh, Portugal podcast to speak. Maybe he can speak on the uh, uh, the uh, situation in Austria, which I'm sure is uh, pretty bad. Yeah, the reason why they're committing suicide is because they're all communists, those assholes, and they bought and paid for it. It's easy, easy answer. They want to destroy Europe. It's been the plan for a very long time, and they're going to do it. They're not them. communists. They're worse. They're like... Green fanatics. No, they're like environmental nuts. Greta Thornburg yeah. loyalist types. Yeah, ESG followers. They yeah, realize like, at, at the end of the day, they're just profiteers. And they figured out that like screaming about climate change and stuff like that works. It puts a do-gooder veneer on your utter uh, shameless profiteering and short, you know, they're willing to put the nation's interests second or not even on the table behind their own personal commercial interests. That's an ongoing theme everywhere, right? But yeah. you got to read this paper from Rand. It is just ruthlessly honest about being wicked. <laughs> Lady, tell us about Austria, yeah. though. Yeah, on here, here it's always the same shit, you know, because we have a coalition between the used-to-be center, so means left, not far left, but left, and the Green Party. And these idiots, you know, the, the fuel was going up, 
that came down a little bit. Of course, not as much as it's just just you know you push the people as much as you can until they almost go over the edge, you know, and start to fight back. Then you lower down a little bit. Now they're introducing another tax on diesel, and that's the worst part because diesel is trucks, everything which is deliveries, locomotives, they all run on diesel. Oh, the backbone so of your economy again. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I know you don't like somebody intervening in the market, and that's why I asked to speak. What do you think about Victor Orban? Because what he did was basically said to the companies, you're going to sell it on a price that you make the same profits you were making before, and everything else that goes over that, the government will compensate for it. Basically, I think, to my understanding, that's what he did to control the fuel market, because there, a liter of diesel is 125, you know? How is the government paying for that subsidy? That's a question. That's 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 what I don't know, you know. But uh, any time the government I mean, pays for anything, they either have to steal money from a productive part of the economy to put it in a non-productive part of the economy, or they print it. Yeah, but if you see the price of the barrel, uh, Ryan, if you see the price of the barrel now, I think they're still making money, and the government's not paying shit at the moment because it's mostly the speculation. How can it be well, that right now a lot of nations right now a lot of nations including the United States are tapping into their oil reserves they're just bleeding through their reserves which will not last they're trying in the US they're just trying to keep the gas price from going up any higher before the election and then it's all going to shoot up because they're going to run out of reserves I don't know if Austria is doing that or not but that's what most no, places are doing for short-term gains burning through the reserves but then what? You run out of that, and now you have nothing. The last scandal here was basically the uh, energy minister was saying, oh, we have the gas filled up, our gas reserves filled up to 75%. What she forgot to mention is that 45% of that 75% does not even belong to Austria. It, only belong, it belongs to Slovenia, and it belongs to Slovakia, because they rented, uh, the, basically, because they don't have any storage. So they rented from the Austrian storage, so they had their reserves, which means we probably will have heating until December. If they shut the industry in November, and then it's... I know Joe Biden sold some of the strategic reserves, American strategic oil reserves, to China. Yeah, okay, right. That, that looks like him. That's crazy, anyway. Um, after... Uh... Russia blew up the energy grid or whatever, whatever damage they did to the energy grid in Ukraine. Did it, isn't Ukraine now running on European power? So aren't they burning the candle from both ends at this point? They didn't blow up all of their energy grid, but yeah, they hit their electric power centers because Ukraine was lobbing missiles into the nuclear power plant. You can never pronounce the damn name, you know, Zep. Well, I'd read something. I'd read something on those like uh, those like Telegram chat like channels, like you know the pro-Ukraine, pro-Russian ones, where they're like, "Oh, we transitioned from Ukrainian power to European power because of like you know the quick thinking of whoever. It took them twelve hours to transition, so now they're getting the majority of their energy from Europe and not local." Well, one one burden's lifted is that uh, Kyrgyzstan is now on the Russian electric grid, so they lost that city, but they don't have to <laughs> supply it either. They're, they're Russia now. Mariupol's Russia now, too. That whole land bridge from Crimea all the way into Donbass is now Russian. 
So they lifted that burden, I guess. But that's that's a complete annexation and loss of territory. Although I don't think you can even call it annexation because, well, at least not with Donbass, they were trying to secede anyway. But they're uh, yes, they are like Western Ukraine is getting off the grid as much as possible uh, where they can. But it's not like like most power plants are local. Like this one feeds these towns or whatever. They're not all connected to each other. Otherwise, like a storm or something could take out the main and everything would go lights out. But yeah, some are hooked to Europe, going to Poland, what have you. The whole infrastructure in Ukraine is messed up. It goes, everything is like all the rails and stuff were our Soviet era. They don't. They're not going into Poland. They're going up into Belarus, or they're going east towards Russia. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned in your book because of thorium. Wouldn't that be a solution? Well, only in the first world. Like I don't think most places could build a like a molten salt thorium reactor besides the United States, Russia, Japan. Uh, maybe India and China. Well, uh, uh, this actually uh, brings up something I wanted to. Uh, the, the problem here isn't that it's not. The problem is that it's not something we could do. We we expand nuclear power. We can expand uh, fertilizer plants. The problem is we don't have the time. It takes several years to get those things online, and we. Oh, you're never. <laughs> What, what they want to do and what the Japanese are doing that they figured is more cost-efficient and quick than thorium. Because the, the whole country basically sat down after Fukushima and decided, like, let's make do a different thing, right? Is building really tiny uh, nuclear plants. And you can stack them all next to each other. And it's the equivalent output of one giant one. But instead of waiting 10 years for a giant one, you just build a tenth of one each year for 10 years. But that way... You, you know, you're getting one and then two and then three so that you get the power as you go. And it's more cost efficient to build uh, lots of little sizes than it is one massive one. That is the short and skinny uh, of a, <laughs> that is a oversimplification, but that is one of the things they're doing. But they're still using uranium as a problem yes. or pots, which is a mix of uranium and plutonium. But they already have the uranium. I mean, but thorium, you can't build a bomb out of it yet. As soon as they figure out how to make a weapon, then we'll have thorium plants. <laughs> it's four times more abundance in the Earth's crust than uranium. It's less nuclear waste. But the, the biggest advantage, the biggest two advantages is you don't have to be near a giant body of water to cool it off, is one. And number two is output. You get way more energy from thorium. Uh, then you do yeah. some uranium or plutonium, way more. Yes, and uh, just a side note: uh, Thor bomb sounds way cooler than a uh, nuclear bomb. Like my <laughs> Thor bomb. Yeah, <laughs> thorium, thorium nuke. Yeah, Thor's nuke. Well, I talked to uh, Carl Denninger, who's an economist and uh, like an expert on uh, nuclear physics and things. If you if you want to hear a, a good podcast about thorium. And then there's a guy named Kirk Sorensen who did some TED and TEDx talks about it, like 
real simple presentation style. You know, here's the advantages, here's the cons. But it is a pretty high-tech endeavor to do. And what I don't think people understand is, well, didn't the U.S. build one and then shut it? Our progress in technology is not always angled up the graph. We, ha we sometimes don't have the ability to do things we used to be able to do in the past. I mean, look at our, some countries' space programs have just shriveled up and gone away. Hey, Ryan. I don't yeah. know if you can click on this link, but I just sent you a DM of uh, like a without like, you know, a, a nearby town. They're selling hay bales for $150 a bale. Holy crap. Holy shit. Holy mother. Oh, that's. Yeah. And that's on Facebook Marketplace. Will it we seems start like the price would come down eventually, right? It's like if no one buys them, they're unaffordable. Uh, what are you going to eat it yourself? Like they're going to have to come. Well, down. the problem is, is that uh, there's no cattle. There's no cattle farmers out there buying. Here, here's a better one. Hundred seventy-five dollars a bale. Someone must be buying it. Yeah, that's for people right now. It costs so much to get the hay. They can't go does, bring yeah. the price down that much, you know. So right now, uh, I've been trying to buy a Kawasaki Mule side-by-side four-seater for like two years now. It's on a six-month wait list. You have to pay cash up front, and they want 25% over MSRP. And then you're just put on a wait list, and you get it when you get it. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll just wait it out, and it's been two years. Hang up. Well... My wife used to work in import-export selling machine parts, but more like um, engine pumps for boats and uh, airplane bridges and stuff like that. But even like just the weird bolts and stuff on some of those things are so niche. And uh, a lot of it's out of Asia, Korea and Japan especially, on a lot of the, on the metal technology. Just got me thinking about thorium, but like that's what you're saying. Like this, what'd you say, Kawasaki? What's it called? The Kawasaki Mule. It's a, uh, it's a, it's like a four seater off roading thing. I needed it so that way I can like go work on the land right without having to walk a mile and a half to the other side of the property. And it's just mm -hmm. you just can't get them. You can't get anything. And if you can get it, it's like a twenty five to forty percent markup everywhere. Oh, That's speaking of Germany, I was going to say this earlier. When some of the machine Germany parts that go into that are sanctioned for North Korea, so they can't get it. Whatever. Anyway, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to say uh, it's really funny because, like, uh, I have friends that are, like, like, I'm trying to get rid of my, like, Mercedes because the guy told me that there's a known issue on the turbo on one of my cars. He says, I'll put you on the wait list, but it's an 18-month back order on the turbo. And I'm like, well, what happens if my engine explodes? And he's like, well, it's just going to sit in our lot then for until it, the part comes in. Like, there's just the part, like, even the, my uh, cousin has a, uh, a GL 550 or whatever it's called, the SUV. And he says there's a six-month back order on the rear latch lock. What do you mean to turbo? Like, nitro? What do you mean? Oh, so, like, uh, it's a it's a bi-turbo V8. Um, so that there's a turbo on the... The engine itself you, you you know what a turbo is right 
Ooh, yeah. Oh boy. But, right to reveal it. Good luck with those. So there's a known there's a known recall out on it, but he says the problem is is that their part availability is it's 18 month back order on the uh, turbo itself. So it's just like a ticking time bomb every time I turn that car on. <laughs> well, uh, first world problem. Do you want to know something cool? Um, BMW <laughs> stopped producing the 3 Series in Munich for the, for, I think for the first time since the car came out because during World War II, although it was being bombed to bits, the factory was still working uh, because uh, electric cables come from somewhere from the Ukraine. For the first time in history, BMW stopped producing. Oh, kick flip there. Well, oh, he it's did not it. a personal problem in this. Yeah, it's a personal problem, but it's also indicative of that. Like that's their, that's like one of their largest export industries is the automotive, and they can't get parts for it. Like, and this is before they're gonna get squeezed this winter. There's some guys skateboarding here, and I did the Tony Hawk thing. Told him do a kickflip. <laughs> he did one. <laughs> Hooray! Sorry, small pleasures. <laughs> A lot of people are getting shortages for uh, machinery and so on, for cars, for tractors, for you name it. And the supply chain, the supply chain is backed up for even basic stuff, right? Like potatoes. Like there's, there's what, McDonald's no, had a shortage uh, on French fries. They, they couldn't, right, like overseas. Right. Go ahead. We have trouble with t-shirts even. Like, right, yeah. Like my stores had trouble with like hats that were a certain color and stuff like this. simple stuff man like oh we can't get this shut up of these shirts Dude, what do you mean that's one of the most ubiquitous uh consumer products there are shirts and t-shirts especially we're not they're not you know just like cotton polyester like normal stuff right mm -mm. all the time I'll be designing things and sold out of this, sold out of that, back order this. There are three people right now been waiting for stuff since like the beginning of August. So they just ran out. And I'm sitting here apologizing. Like, I'm sorry. Like, one woman just got a, it was a custom made suitcase. And it's pretty fucking badass. It's got the giant uh, rainbow frog and everything. And she got it two days ago. But she, she, she ordered it like last month. But they were just sold out. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> when are you gonna get another one? Mm hmm. Then why do you say you had them? Right? Because I well, I went and designed a product and put them on a web page to sell, and then they're like, yeah, they they had like one or something that they didn't have anymore. I said, what? Well, uh, I I can relay a story from the geopolitical analyst uh, Peter Zion. Now his his views are mostly like uh, completely very America centric, but he did write a book about uh, that that was called The End of the World as We Know It or something. And uh, was that R. E. M. was about. <laughs> well, he, well, yeah, well, not okay. Maybe it was it was called The End of the World or something, but. Uh, he was did writing he say, about. But I the, feel fine. Uh, he did not, but uh, he was uh, he was writing about the breakdown of industrial processes, uh, 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 inputs, raw materials, and everything that was going to be affected by the war. But 
his book's release was delayed because of a shortage on paper. <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, that's, that's where we are. Like, you can't even write Do, do we just have uh, too many consumers buying petty stuff because of the Rona bucks? I don't think so. I no, think we I have... Think well, I think we have a severe shortage of laborers and things aren't getting produced because of Rona bucks. Also, there was an, it was taxes removed and benefits added. Working for $40,000 a year or just sitting on your ass collecting welfare, basically the same standard of living. So why go to, why work? Well, if you, if you, uh, like, if you, if you don't work, uh, you don't have to drive to your work and that'll save you $10,000 a year easily. Yeah. Oh, I did that math one time. There was like a teaching course, but it was quite far away. And it was during the gas hike price during the housing bubble with Obama and Biden. And I'm thinking, well, that's going to be $400 a week to go to there every day and back all the way to Nags and back. And I'm like, it's not worth it. It's not worth the gas. <laughs> the return was too big of a risk. We were carpooling. We decided, like, okay, a guy and I were like, you know, sometimes we're both driving the same car up in there and back. Uh, that cut it in half. But man, there were like some teachers and stuff that just just didn't take it, and I almost didn't do it. To it costs like people. A lot of people now. There are a lot more jobs that you can do by working at home. Most people figured out a way to do it through Zoom or whatever during Rona, and are avoiding driving altogether. But uh, certain things you just have to do, like how do you deliver goods? You know, really, like when they crushed all the quote-unquote non-essential businesses, which did not include Amazon and Walmart, they killed retail. Like retail was already teetering from you know, Alibaba and Amazon and stuff, just people ordering things online. People would go to a store, look around at clothing or whatever, write it down or think of it in their head, then put it on their phone and see if they could find the same item on Alibaba or Amazon and buy it from them for cheap wish or whatever. You know? And retailers have just been going out of business one store after another. But then you add to that the cost of diesel going up. So every single item that's physically delivered to their store now costs more. They just got priced out of the market. The only ones that can survive it are the you know near monopoly mega stores who benefit from subsidies. Like Walmart might have a bunch of like whatever, like music items, video games, clothing, whatever, and they also have a big section of food, which benefits from farm subsidies and so on. And they got that giant volume discount and stuff which helps offset the other goods they sell. And then a lot of their employees earn so little that they're also on welfare of some sort or some sort of benefit. And also like a lot of the WIC program recipients go there to get their milk, whatever, and, but Walmart's still getting paid for the WIC stuff. All these programs, it was like they're subsidizing the cheaper labor by uh, offsetting some of their cost. And, uh, you know, they knock out, once the Walmart knocks out the local businesses, those prices don't stay low. They go up again once they drive out all the competition. It's just, 
It's sick, man. And then when they couldn't knock him out, Rona did it. You ain't allowed to open. You're not. You can. You can. You can't. You can. You're essential. You're not. It's disgusting. They affected real estate prices the same way. There's how much is commercial property worth if you're not allowed to open the restaurant or whatever the hell it was. It's useless. So these investment companies come in. BlackRock, Vanguard, you know. And somebody will end up buying this shit for pennies on the dollar. And then suddenly now Rona's gone. Now that you know, a few businessmen can own like three whole blocks of New York or something because they drove all the businesses out. And now they'll reopen them and those people can have a business. Uh, okay. It was consolidation of, of, it was just creating monopolies. Yes. Through the uh, theme uh, of, of healthcare. Eat outside yes. in the middle of the winter in New York City because that, you know, everyone wants to do that. <laughs> uh, uh, Ryan, even though we didn't create a stream or streamed uh, on Odyssey, we got a super chat from Portugal Podcast. It's uh, four ninety nine, and it says, fuck Lincoln. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> with a cactus. You forgot the with a cactus part. Or an anchor, uh, either way. Uh, the rendition I said, saw was a, a smelling, crying face. Um, <laughs> there you go. I think uh, Lincoln could talk probably swallow a whole cactus and not even notice. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Ukraine now? Or we've been going on for an yeah. hour, so yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. better get into it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I sort of did two days ago, but it was like, if you haven't been following this stuff in the beginning, it's kind of hard. I mean, it, we can talk about the Kharkiv offensive and all, and all the things that just happened from about the 27th to the 12th or so. But I'll spend just a couple minutes re-explaining some stuff about the strategy of this war. They thought, like they're not, they nobody dreamed like of invading Moscow or anything. Everybody knew this was going to be entirely in Ukraine territory and a defensive war. And they figured they could bleed Russia in a war of attrition. That they thought the sanctions were going to work and devastate the Russian economy. And that Russia would have to push, push, push and get a quick war because they couldn't afford a prolonged conflict. And so Ukraine got entrenched, bunkered in, zigzag trenches, lots of defense. But the sanctions didn't work. And not only did they not not work, they hurt Europe instead of Russia. And so what happened is, yeah, Ukraine already had the trenches, already had the bunkers. And Russia just sat back and was like, yeah, we're just going to shoot artillery at you all day because time's on our side unlike you assume. They thought they could force them to charge at a porcupine. And they're like, now nah, we're just going to sit here and throw rocks at it all day. And so Ukraine had to switch tactics and go on the offense, get out of their trenches and charge at them. Well, every time you come out of your hole, you're at risk of getting pummeled by artillery and the Air Force. And you can kind of utilize forest, forest or natural protection from all things, drones, planes and all, because you can't see you depending on how thick the forest is. Forests are also a way of stopping heavy infantry, heavy uh, mechanized infantry because armor doesn't go through trees. I mean, you can run over them, I suppose, if they're small enough. But yeah, so they did light mech. They charged at the artillery. They lost like 
4,000 in Kyrgyzstan, 2,000 in Kharkiv. It was a pyrrhic victory in Kharkiv, utter defeat at the power plant, utter defeat in three locations in Kyrgyzstan, another counteroffensive in Donbass, so they lost that too. And they're about to lose uh, an area south of Slavyansk called uh, Vukmat, which is the linchpin of their defense. Like, if that falls, Russia go all the way to the Dnieper River, nothing in the way. There was a place, like, northwest of there, Izum. All of you have heard Izum, right? You heard me talking about it on JF's show. Like, this is a key place. This is a key place. It was, at the time, it connected the supply lines of the pincer movement on Servodonetsk and Lizzie Shanks. But the bottom part of that crab call had a breakthrough in Bosnia and went up and they got Serbodonesk and Lizzie Shanks already. So the importance of Izum is much less. It's a very hard place to defend. It's flanked by two forests as a U-shaped river. So Russia is pulled out of there. So of course Ukraine came pouring in there to be like, we've retaken Izum. But they didn't. They didn't take it with by fighting or anything. They just went in there after the Russians left. They tried to catch them as they were leaving and couldn't get in. They lost those two. The only kind of victory they had was around Kharkiv. Kharkiv's the name of an area and a city. But in that area, they already had the city. Russia never took Kharkiv. But around the rural parts, there's nothing there. It's just hills and grass and some few like towns, like one-road towns, you know, houses on both sides or whatever and so it's impressive looking on a map if you're like "Ooh, we get to color in this big chunk of the map but there's nothing up there it's like i don't know you got a big chunk of the middle of south dakota colored in but you didn't get any of the city you know it doesn't really break the bank there they did a huge offensive about 20 percent of the fighters were mercenaries from NATO, including Academy, which is the new new name for Z, which was Blackwater, most infamous in Iraq. In Azerbaijan, they were Blackwater, right? So these mercenary groups are there. Russia has the same thing. The Wagner group is basically Russia's Blackwater, right? Full of Chechens and Russians and whoever. Deadly, professional, private armies. They're the ones hitting Vakhmut, and they've already taken the industrial sector, and they've already surrounded the rest of it as of five hours ago, last time I checked, so that I don't know what's going on right now. It may, may fall soon. I think it'll take another couple days, because the defense there is level 10, because Ukraine knows how important this spot is. There's not much they can do. They needed a stunt really badly in Kharkiv because there was a meeting on September 8th of all the NATO heads and their lapdogs that were going to decide how much money and guns go to Ukraine. And the U.S. just decided to send them another $600 million package on top of the billions they already gave them, right? All that money doesn't always end up at the front lines and gear and ammo like they, they need it. It goes to all kinds of money laundering and waste and whatnot. But U Ukraine's problem is not a lack of HIMARS and HIMAR ammunition and all the little gadgets. 
the big problem with Ukraine is they've lost too many professional soldiers. And you can't just find a guy of the right age and replace a soldier with just some dude, right? Especially the more complicated tasks. Like you can't just go get a fighter pilot. That could take a, six months to a year of training to learn how to, to fly a, a MiG-29 or whatever it is. Um, you, can't, you just can't replace them. And the same thing, like learning how to use some of this artillery correctly with the computation and the drones and the satellite and all that. It's a lot of math, a lot of physics, and you got to do fast because you're trying to hit mobile targets. You can't just grab people and have them operate these things. You can get the people with the pickaxe and stuff in the trench and the machine gun and stuff. Even that still takes some training. And they've run out. 70% of their crack troops they had at the beginning of the war are dead. So now the NATO fighters have come in. And they had a bit of a... I'll say they had a victory in Kharkiv, even though they didn't kill a lot of Russian personnel. They gained territory, which in the PR war looks good to people who don't know anything about war. It's like early UFC. Oh, look, that guy's on top. The other guy's on the ground. He's losing. And then, oh, here comes the submission from the bottom, right? They didn't know they're looking at. Well, people looking at the math and going, oh, my God. They took all these hundreds of miles of territory in just a matter of days. Where it, where it took Russia forever to take that. It's like, listen, it's what I said in the beginning. Russia's created a meat grinder. They don't want to lose personnel. This is a special military operation, 210,000. They have millions. Anyway, why doesn't Putin just send in the millions and get it over with? Well, then he have to pull all that out of the, where it is now. Where it is now is very important in, for the Russian economy. And he's got to hold things back. Look what's popping off in Azerbaijan and Romania. You never know where you're going to need it. War drills in China and so on. And he's very legal, very by the book. And it's been working. Well, they lost some territory in Kharkiv. So what? It, it was worth the trade-off because Ukraine lost thousands of personnel to take it. And Russia can just take it back. It, in warfare, it's losing soldiers is how you lose, not losing land. Usually those two things go together. You can't get land unless you kill their soldiers. But in this case, it's different. This is highly, this is modern war, modern mobile warfare. They pulled out. We saw early in the war, Russia went in, hit their fuel and ammo depots and their airfields, and then left. Right? They're trying to cut all supply lines and force them into repairs for days while they shirt up victories in Donbass and north of Crimea and so on. It worked. But the PR was worth it for Ukraine. They get the color in the map. Twitter's losing its mind. Look, Russia could lose the war. <laughs> and there are people in Russia buying this propaganda too, who get mad at Putin. And there are people, you know, in the West, the morale for Ukraine is like, look, if we just charge and we use these American weapons and stuff, maybe we can beat them. But then you saw, look, this was one of six counteroffenses. The other five failed miserably. And even the one where, okay, you broke through and forced them to, uh, retreat, what'd you get out of it? You temporarily got 
them land on a map where you can abuse civilians. You didn't do damage to the enemy. Not really. And then you left your guys defenseless in the fields, and the very next day they got uh, murked by the Russian Air Force. Hooray. So they're sitting there doing a victory dance over nothing. Like, uh, you know, Russia actually made that mistake in Syria in Palmyra. They got overstretched and took too much too fast and then lost it. And then got it again, but, you know. That's not how you do offense. But they, uh, they have to. They're running out of time for two, three, four different reasons. As Fargan, I've said, they don't have fuel. They're not going to have electricity. They're not going to have heating. They're not going to have wheat. Like, oh, they're running out of supplies physically. Uh, NATO will, apply, will give them ammo and weapons. But they're running out of soldiers, people, boots. On, they don't have enough boots. That's one thing. The other thing is the muddy season's coming, where that mechanized charge of, you know, light infantry and armored vehicles, that's not going to work in the mud. And after the mud, you get winter. That's where Russia is going to be laughing because Ukraine is, and all of Europe, all of NATO is going to suffer this winter really badly. And Russia will be able to, uh, they'll just be sitting pretty. They've got winter gear, they've got gas, they've got food, they've got all the things you need to ride out the winter and NATO doesn't. And so if you're the Russian, you want to like take your time, let them charge, let them run around, let them freak out. We'll just shoot them. We'll sit in our territory. All we have to do is wait because they're fucked. Well, I have a question. Do you expect a new claims of uh, mass killings, genocide to uh, pop up oh, of yes. the Ukrainians now that they've conquered territory? Oh, yes. Are... Yeah, they're going to do the Buka part two. Oh, Russia shot hospitals. Da, 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 da. It's just... They've already been caught lying about this so many times. And it's really useless because all the people who hate Russia already hate Russia from the first set of lies, right? They're not... Anybody that figured out what they said the first time is not suddenly going to believe them the next one, right? So it's like, oh, yes, there's great PR to say, oh, they shot a hospital, which is a war crime. Or they slaughtered people in Izum the same way they did in Buka, although we debunked Buka because... Yeah, people still moving around, which means they had just gotten shot. They didn't sit there in the road for days and still able to move, right? You had them ordered. There's people in white armbands. Can we kill them? Of course you can. Like, we've got audio recording, videotape. They screwed up in Buka really bad, or Bucha. But Izum or wherever they claim the next one, you know, they'll learn from the past and get a little bit better at their, their bullshit, not make the same mistakes. But it's still bullshit. I mean, a lot of ethnic Russians and stuff left with the army. Because they don't want to get saran wrapped to a pole like the, these fucking Nazis are doing to people. And, you know, stripping girls naked and breaking the bones in their hands and setting their hair on fire and all the abuse that the Ukrainians are doing. The ethnic Russians. They're not going to stay there for that. And that happens, and it's all, they post this shit on social media, and there's no consequence. There's nothing on TV going, oh, look at the neo-Nazis saran-wrapping people to poles, nude, beating up fathers in front of their sons, humiliating people, emasculating people, rape, like, all that. And the first month of this war, 
that was all over VK and Telegram, and somebody went in and cleaned it up. They banned all those channels. Like, not Telegram didn't ban them. The country banned them. Like, you cannot have a channel here. Even RT. Most of you cannot get RT. Yeah. I can because I'm in Japan, and I think Norway still has it, but yeah. most of Europe, the United States, you're not even allowed to look at it. I can't even nope. forward it to the group. I'd have to cut and paste the whole thing and put it in again. Yeah, uh, uh, Telegram forwarded a post from Russians with Attitude, and I think I can read it to give a short insight as to how this reign of terror will be for the people that Ukraine now have conquered back. Uh, oh, today, yeah. yeah. Today, in the first half of the day, the Ukrainians have shelled the city administration building in Kherson while a meeting was in session, also hitting the city center and random civilians. Assassinated prosecutor general of the LPR and his deputy with a bomb in his office. Murdered. Murdered the deputy mayor of Berdyansk and his wife, while Moscow continues to playing nice. Uh, continues playing nice. Yeah. So, uh, like this, uh, this Ukrainian uh, offensive is actually terrible news for the people living in those areas because they now get to be victims of abuse. Uh, Horrible. Yeah, I'm hoping people find a lost uh, ring. By the way, just uh, listen. Uh, so somebody lost her. Oh, does that mean I have to? Okay, well then no, I no, can just... read from the. the uh, I can read from a article from Adelaide.edu. Researchers from the University of Adelaide have found bots have had a major online presence during the war between Russia and Ukraine. The researchers analyzed 5.2 million and 3,764 tweets, retweets, quote tweets, and replies posted to Twitter between the 23rd of February 2022 and 8 of March 2022 containing the hashtags I stand with Putin, I stand with Russia, I support Russia, I stand with Ukraine, I stand with Zelensky, and I support Ukraine. Oh, you found the red. <laughs> I found it. Yeah, great. <laughs> Sorry. Ah. Uh, uh, hold on. Okay. Okay. We found that between 60 and 80% of using the hashtags we studied came from bot accounts during the first two weeks of the war, said co-lead researcher Joshua Watt, an MPhil candidate in applied mathematics and statistics from the University of Adelaide School of Mathematical Sciences. 
This drove more angst in the online discourse and even impacted discussions surrounding people's decision to flee or stay in Ukraine. We observed increases in words such as shame, terrorist, threat, and panic. Pro-Russian human accounts were having the largest influence on discussions of the war, particularly on accounts which were pro-Ukraine. To our knowledge, this is the first body of published work which addresses online influence operations in the context of Russia's invasion of Ukraine in 2022. Okay, are you back? Oh no, he's oh he's gone. To our knowledge, this is the okay. In the past, wars have been primarily fought physically, with armies, air force, and navy operations being the forms of combat. However, social media has created a new environment where public opinion can be manipulated at a very large scale. As a result, these environments can be used to manipulate discussion as well as cause disruption and overall public distrust. Fellow co-lead researcher Bridget Smart, a master's student in applied mathematics and statistics, added, our research identifies that this is happening during the Russia-Ukraine war and provides a statistical... Okay, this is a boring article. I shouldn't be reading this. I should be reading the news articles about this. Uh, so, let me... What would Print India, was it? Yeah. Oh, thank you. Uh, is someone talking... Please save me. <laughs> I, I just found like a very expensive ring with diamonds and stuff on it. And uh, these two women were trying to reward me. And I was like, no, 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 no. But like I got their contact because I think I might get like a free lunch or something out of this. But, yeah, man, I saw it too. I was like, fuck, I could take that and give it to my wife. And I was like, oh, this, I found it it's right here. Yeah, yeah, be Japanese about it. I did. I gave it to them. They were very appreciative. I was like, it was like fucking white gold with four diamonds on it. And, I, and I'm and i just thinking, how the fuck did you lose that? You just, I don't know, alcohol, I guess. But I found it. Fucking advantage of being colorblind is ignoring a lot of things that look like patterns to people. It's just a solid color to me. It's easy to find shiny things. Oh, well. Yeah. Lucky for them. I don't feel good about it, though. I ought to, but I feel like, God damn it, I should have kept it. <laughs> Isn't that awful? I still did the right thing. Yeah, no, no, that, that's awful. Uh... But I'm like, I'm like, I just found your ring worth like 15000 bucks or something. And like you're wearing all this other jewelry, and clearly I have a lot of money. Like you could at least give me twenty bucks or something. I don't know. Whatever. Okay, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, whatever. Okay, back to the serious stuff. Where were we? You were uh, reading an article. Well, yeah, I was reading it from the university. It was it's a big mistake because that article was kind of boring and. Uh, very broad oh. as university articles are. Uh, they get paid by the letter or something. Uh, uh, they they always try to like context blast you, so they're they're trying to like include as much context as possible. 
So the articles get very boring because there's not a lot of actionable sentences you can like go aha uh, because they're mm -hmm. a university, so they're trying to be as uh, uh, like you, you, you they know. always talk about what they're going to talk about. You know what I'm saying? It's just like word filler, and then no real point. That I what you're saying? Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know what okay. I'm. I'm really, really worried about Europe this winter. I'm terrified. It's like it's not their fault, and they're so fucked. And then because there's travel restrictions and stuff, like where are you gonna go? You can't just fuck off to like Asia where you don't speak the language, you don't have a job, you don't like you can't go anywhere. I guess Britain could go to the U.S. or Canada, but. I mean, still, that ain't easy. What's everyone else going to do? Freeze? I have no idea. Go down to Italy, steal a sailing boat, and get off the, get out the hell out of here. That's my plan. I, I want to invest in some company that makes, like, super thick blankets or something. It's just fucked. And look, America, Canada, we're next, right? Oh, we'll get through one winter, maybe two. It's coming. Horrible. Yeah. And even uh, worse, the worst news I've heard today is uh, Kishida's talking about by the end of the week making a plan to reopen Japan in, by October, sometime in October. And I'm like, ah, oh, I just, I don't think it's safe from Rona. I think we should keep the borders closed. <laughs> no Chinese. <clears throat> you know? Oh. Yes. But if anybody wants to visit in October, it looks like they might open. But you have to have three vaccines or a test that proves you don't have the Rona. So it's like a $150 extra test. Which, you know, is only like a... It's like filling up your car one and a half times. <laughs> Nowadays. They're burning through the reserves. Like they're every they're making every mistake. These politicians don't care about you at all. And the media is just fucking lying to your face. What are you gonna you gonna wait till it gets really bad to demonstrate and stuff or just do it now? Mm. They started already. Vienna was out this weekend, but it was just like a few thousand people. I know the Netherlands with the, uh, the nitrates fiasco, they were out in the streets blocking the roads. But it was like a lot of it was stunt stuff. Like they would go and block a thing, get a photo op, and leave. It's like fake outrage. We did a thing, we got our picture, it's on our social media. They, this, it's like a culture of deception. I, I call it, it's like the Instagramming of the planet. Instagram is all fake everything. Like every picture is, you know, the, the perfect one among probably hundreds. And then they sit there with all their filters and their editing and stuff. And it's unrecognizable by the time they're done with it. But they're like, well, everyone else is doing it. So I have to do it. It is the whole thing's fake. People will go somewhere. 
get a picture. Oh, look at me in this beautiful background. And then like leave. They weren't even really there. But a few seconds or whatever, how long it took to take a picture. And it's just, it's all look at me culture. And they're like, they're, the foreign policy is reflecting stuff like that. They're doing stunts that have no meaning or reality behind them. It's just oh, short-term oh. PR stunts. Well, yeah, Even yeah, in um, something as important as a fucking war, they're pulling PR stunts. Well, we have a prime example of this is when uh, Anthony Blinken said on national television that the U.S. would buy uh, jets to Ukraine uh, because right. he was asked about that. And uh, what eventually, like, that caused, like, uh, that makes you belligerent in the conflict officially. Uh, but what actually ended up happening after the Pentagon said, no, we're not doing that, that's not going to happen, is that they ended up sending them, uh, like, spare parts. And that was the extent of them uh, arming Ukraine with. Yeah. And uh, they rebuild them in the jets. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he said that because that would look good on television at that moment. There was no long-term thinking that it was, will I look authoritative on television? Will I? Well, it's like good? taking our boats through the Strait of Taiwan, right? Taiwan gets sanctioned over that and war games right off their shoulder. For what? Right? But Ukraine did this over and over again. They would pull stunt. Like, remember when uh, they took like a six by six piece of wood with blue and yellow on it and just like posted it somewhere in the woods to make it look like, look, we're on Russian territory. We're, we put this in Russia. Like, what, you just went in the woods somewhere with a, a flag that no one can see? You know what I mean? It's just like no purpose. Ghost of Kiev, there was no Ghost of Kiev. They just lied. The Snake Island stuff, that was just a lie. Uh, they're just making up victories because they look cool on Twitter for a couple weeks. But every time one of them gets debunked, all the everything you gained in morale just got washed away. And then when you have something you can actually point to, no one can believe you because you, you've been lying over and over and over again. They just you, they hear, oh, we did this, and sure you did. Is this Ghost of Kev Part Two? Is this Snake Island Two? Yeah, we're going to have a massive, they hyped up the Kyrgyzstan offensive for so long. And they just lost like four, four and a half thousand people and didn't get anything. Like, oh, we fixed them in place and then hit Kharkiv. Like, you didn't fix them in place. They weren't sending their reserves around or anything. That was hypothesized, but it turns out, nope, no, that's, that didn't happen. They were dug in and waiting for you. Russia doesn't seem to be going after the, the regions of Ukraine that don't have ethnic Russia. They don't want that long going occupation. They're just willing to annex the land where the people already love them. And they're going to keep it. And they're going to push them without, out of range of artillery. I also think if Zelensky didn't get a W at whatever cost, no matter how many thousands he had to sacrifice, he was almost a dead man. Like the Ukrainian army was gonna kill them, him themselves.
because he made so many mistakes for PR stunts. And that little speech of, I don't, I need ammo, not a ride, that came straight out of the State Department. Didn't he lose like thousands of troops in this offensive? Wasn't it an insane, like it was to one Ukraine troops He lost like five and a half brigades. Okay. They're done. They're at 30% plus NATO. And here's the thing, like, oh, 20% of the army or whatever is NATO. What if NATO just keeps sending troops? Guess what? They don't have that many professional soldiers either. That's why they... I guess the, besides, besides the United States, the United States and Turkey are the only two states in NATO with any teeth. And I guess maybe France a little bit. But they don't have, Britain doesn't have soldiers, Poland doesn't, they don't have shit. No one has, they can't just replace them. And it's like, well, that solves the NATO issue too. Like, just Russia just sits where it is, lets NATO and Ukraine come at them, especially in the winter, and they'll get rid of them too. And then NATO will be sitting there without personnel, a lot of their weapons missing, except for the United States and I guess Canada. Um, you know, just sitting there ripe, hoping Russia doesn't come. In the dark, in the cold, with no food. Hooray. Great fucking job. Do you see where Israel sent the drone check to Ukraine through Poland? Mm-hmm. And then, then, like, like, what else could go wrong? Azerbaijan and Armenia had a hot war not even a year ago, right? When was that? It was short. It was like 11 days or something, but they were, it was serious fighting. And then, I guess a couple days ago, it gets heated again, and Armenia asked Russia to negotiate. Well, do you know where Turkey supplies Italy and a lot of other places where they get that oil and gas? From Azerbaijan, from the Caspian yeah. Sea. Yes. So, if anything disrupts that, even for a week or whatever, you can minus all that gas and oil too. Well, uh, okay. And, so, uh, and, and Iran is effectively joining this league with China and Russia. About time. Uh, but I saw a report that uh, House Speaker Pelosi was going to make a visit to Armenia in solidarity. Oh, Pelosi. Yeah, is that because she had a lot. She has a lot of Armenians in uh, in uh, her district, or like uh -huh. the U.S. is on the Azerbaijani side, right? Uh, the Azerbaijan is uh, is. Uh, uh, controlled by. Uh, <laughs> well, a lot of it's BP. British Petroleum runs Baku. It's the main yeah. city in Azerbaijan, and that's, that's all. That's where their pipelines come out of too. But the big ones like BTC. However, 
there's a large Aziri population in Iran, like 20, 23% or something. So if the CIA was ever to do an uprising in Iran, they'd flare up the Aziris. And that would be problems. But I feel like, I think what's going to happen is more and more of these nations are going to start buying uh, rubles and use it as their reserve currency for oil and gas which will help uh, stabilize and solidify uh, the ruble, making it unshakable. You got its reserves, as long as people buy oil and gas, you know, it, keep, it, it shrinks the volatility of the currency. And they're getting off dollars. <clears throat> and I think we're really solid, like it's already in a whole world, write it down, that's happened. That, that's, that came and went. If the unipolar, unipolar dominance from the U.S. is over. The United States and Europe cannot survive two more years of Democrats at the leadership. We just can't make it. Fortunately, this November, Pelosi will no longer be the Speaker of the House. And we need to figure out what kind of party, what kind of celebration we're going to have when that fucking spider monster whatever it is that spawned pelosi no longer has that power she's no longer the speaker and i don't care what republican comes in or what piece of crap they probably are going to get it won't be pelosi and we need to celebrate <laughs> what well, how uh, should we do, we do this celebrate? well we can all drive like her husband that's a good <laughs> i know well, we could drink and stream or something, but I was thinking like <laughs> fireworks or yeah. something. I don't know. Like, you know, that day, just from all these Democrats getting kicked out of their seats, it's going to be glorious. If the Republicans take the Senate too, right, they could impeach Biden first day, especially after they impeached Trump twice. Like, if they get both house, the House and the Senate, they can start impeaching everybody, got the FBI, go after Fauci. Like, they could reverse all this shit and end up staying in power the next hundred years. Yeah. There's so much corruption and evil for them to go after. And I think that's why the Democrats are so draconian and, like, raiding Republicans with the FBI and doing all that, because they know their existence is at stake. This isn't just... Oh, we're going to lose an election. This is no, no. You're going to get exposed possibly for like bio labs and pedophile rings and all the crazy shit you've been doing and never, ever recover. You're done. You're done forever. Well, they specifically targeting Trump allies. They're actually using the same playbook in uh, Pakistan right now with Imran Khan. They have a warrant out for him because he gave a speech and like they're saying, oh, he's trying to incite violence with the speech. So a bunch of, like, locals showed up with guns to defend his house when the cops tried to arrest him. And so the cops are just arresting all of his cabinet after, like, uh, Biden got him kicked out of parliament. So it's the same playbook. If you can't get the head, they're trying to go after Trump. If they can't get Trump, they'll just get every single one of his ally. Make a, t uh, you know, use them as a, a lesson. Well, uh, I, I want to update my term. Uh, the world is a bagel. Republic, not just U.S. The world is a big republic. Not Iran. <laughs>
and not Russia. So I think the problem is yeah, a lot Pakistan, of people like, like to, uh, you know, when Pakistan would not sanction Russia, you know, they had a sea change in government all of a sudden. Yeah, they had Imran right. Khan That's thrown out. Imran Khan's like their uh, their Bernie Sanders. He's he's just a populist, and uh, ever since then they've been having they've been trying to get him arrested. They've been trying to get him killed, and uh, the problem is is he has too much support. So they they're straight up just throwing every single one of his like loyal party members in jail at this point. No, that's what Ukraine did. They just arrested the. That's what we're doing party. here. Everybody that's who assisted Trump in during twenty twenty. Yeah, they everybody yeah. everybody who's tangentially related to Trump is getting thrown in jail, arrested by the FBI, or investigated by the FBI, raided. Well, even if you're even not just the pro-Trump, but just like the anti-Biden people are getting arrested. No, it's or it's jailed, mostly the platformed all that. I haven't seen well, anybody anti-Biden in the Republican side get thrown in or be like persecuted by the state. It's mostly the uh, pro-Trump people. Okay, well, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, uh, well, Imran Khan, a uh, famous uh, cricketer, was uh, he he rose to power. Uh, okay, uh, I'm just trying to filibuster here until Ryan comes back so we can have the stream. Uh, but yeah, he was fuck prominent. Lincoln. Yes, fuck Lincoln. Uh, so. Yeah, you're back. Oh, okay. I was saying, I I was talking, but no one could hear me. It was the on and off Wi-Fi thing. But I was giving an example. Like, they put Tulsi Gabbard on that shit list from Ukraine, called her information terrorist. Uh, and she's not, like, a pro-Trump or even a Republican, although I think she might well, end her, up. Her issue is she spoke out against... Uh, she's been on the, like, the kill list ever since she uh, refused to endorse Assad. Hillary after the 2016... No, no, 2016. Right. She was the she was the chair or she was a she was like a lead position in the DNC and she refused to endorse uh, Hillary and resigned. So that that's when she became like the uh, that's why yeah. Hillary has such a vendetta against her. Well, I was saying that's what I was saying. It's not just the pro-Trump people. It's like anyone that isn't for Biden, which in Hillary is the same shit. Like the establishment, they're going after them all, regardless of party. Glenn Greenwald's I think when one, uh, when when the FBI shows newspaper. up, at, when the FBI right, shows up at like uh, her door, that would be different. But like Mike Lindell got raided by the FBI because he questioned the integrity of the 2020 election. That's what they're oh, trying yeah. to charge him for. That's the Mike well, the My Pillow guy. Yes. Well, did, did he just the, go the, try the to hire news. Dershowitz? Like, how clueless is this guy? <laughs> no, no, no. The the good news is that they offered him a special deal where he would get to uh, bring his pillow into the prison, so he would get a good night's sleep. Uh, they offered him a one-time deal. Use promo code My Pillow to get twenty percent off your stay in prison. Yes. Mm. Yes. No, but they're going after the Trump supporters hardcore, like with the FBI, with the IRS. That's why they got all these new IRS agents. The 87,000 new jobs. Have you That's seen the ATF fuckery they're doing? Have you the seen the AT ATF, what they're doing? Oh, the ATF. I thought you said ATM fuckery. I was like, what do you mean? What's the no, ATF they you know now? about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that a guy who chipped something or another? Uh, no, what they're doing is uh, they're targeting rural uh, Americans, 
and they're they're using Facebook advertisements and on GunBroker, and they're trying to sell um, oh, yeah. uh, what's it called baffles or whatever. And then they're going to as soon as they sell them, they go and try to arrest them for having uh, illegal suppressors. That's entrapment, isn't it? Doesn't matter. They'll get their headline. They're they're look, they're fishing for headlines right now. They want. They want somebody to buy their gay suppressor, and then they're going to charge that person as a white supremacist plotting to assassinate somebody with an illegally purchased suppressor. Guy gets off, but the chart, but the headlines stay. Well, they call. I mean, like white supremacist is their go-to thing, isn't it? Like January sixth was white supremacist. Kyle Rittenhouse is white supremacist. This person that said a thing I didn't like on Twitter is a white supremacist. Because that's like the the evil of all evils, like <gasps> racist. Oh, that's worse than killing kids, right there. Okay, uh, Ryan, uh, we've been streaming for one hour and forty four minutes. We'll go for two. Is there? Oh, I'll ask the. I guess we went over Ukraine enough. I have some. I have some opinions, but I'm probably just gonna write them on Substack. You got any questions about uh, other shit going on in the world, or just? I mean, we just had 9-11 week. I think it bit that to death. Ryan, uh, what's really happening in Azerbaijan? Because I don't know anything about that. How did it start? And do uh, you think it was a gay op to put more pressure on Russia? No, I think it's ongoing from last year's conflict. But, you know, there's a reason that they circumvented Armenia and built their pipelines through Georgia. And then they go through to Turkey. And Azerbaijan and Armenia, it, it's like they figure it's a smaller state and we can annex these territories, contested stuff in these mountains between them. It's pretty dumb. But, like, you look at it and think, well, Armenia is going to have to appeal to Russia for support. That's how they cooled things down last time. But it's just another thing. And I, I could see the CIA or somebody encouraging Azerbaijan, like, hey, pop off again. You know, anything to put, add stress and put more pressure on Russia and also, like, make them uh, more hesitant to send more troops into Ukraine might want to keep more. But I don't think it's... I don't think that's what happened. I think they've got their own internal conflicts and that is just going on as well. And they maybe might think, well, Russia can't handle this right now, so here's our chance. It could be as simple as that, but... I don't know. It's uh, it's hard to get news out of that area of the world. But the, what's weird is a lot of Armenians live in the U.S., especially in California, and so they they actually um, far more influence from Armenia than Azerbaijan in the United States, just because of all everyone has a friend or somebody knows somebody who's Armenian, and nobody knows any Azeris. Yes, but the Azeris had the Israel lobby on their side. Oh yeah, they're <laughs> they're team Israel all day. In fact, the very um, first place that Blackwater ever operated in was in Azerbaijan. And it, it was because of Richard Pearl. He did a clever thing, kinda like Ihor Kolomoisky's crap where he's like, Oh, you can't have, be a dual citizen. He goes, Well, I'm a I'm a tri citizen and that's not against the law. Because he has citizenship in Israel, Cyprus, and Ukraine. So because he wasn't a dual citizen, 
He's a triple citizen that he got to run it. What Pearl did is Azerbaijan had a rule against stationing foreign troops on their soil. And so he got Blackwater and said, these aren't military. These are, this is a private security firm. But they're definitely military, same weapons, same everything. And he, that's how he got them in. And that was their first big uh, state payoff. And of course, obviously, they were used in Iraq in the Second War. Nasty. Yes. Yes. Makes it makes me like. Why couldn't we have like Douglas McGregor in the DOD instead of Lloyd Austin? And just like anybody, like or not even have a president, just have like a balloon tied to a chair. That that would be better than Biden. Would you just say anybody else? Yeah, but the MAGA Republicans, you know, the MAGA Republicans threat to democracy, etc. Can you imagine, like, Secretary of State Scott Horton? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know, President Ron Paul. Chief of Staff Ryan Dawson. Director of the FBI, Ryan Dawson. Oh. That would be good as well. Maybe the CIA. I'd get them all. I would clean up every pedophile ring right away. Get rid of all those blackmail rings. And I would reopen the case on Israel's nuclear theft. Get that settled. Would you be okay with hiring a diversity? When I'm talking about diversity, I'm talking about gingers, of course. Gingers? To do what? I think you meant you were going to have gingers in your cabin. Yeah, I would hire them to clean up landmines. <laughs> I love I crack myself laughing when you like almost. So and here's what you can do you, you can get, yeah, you get. <laughs> gingers to clean up landmines and we'll give them the best equipment we'll give them these like giant clown shoes and tell them to walk across the field <laughs> i love the, the the little introduction you did you posted on the on the on a report it's just you almost slipped. Uh, so somebody clipped that human yeah, you're unlike normal humans. You know, like I act like I don't know the difference. <laughs> the, they need a gender lives matter. I'm like, they three-fifths matter. The gender compromise. Good stuff. Yeah, what will we, the gender question? There must be a final solution. Hmm. No, very good. Nah. So, did you, Do you ever, talk about the ring alert? <laughs> like, you ever feel bad for redheads, though? Me either. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, oh, sorry. I bumped into my mic. Uh, we've been going for, for an hour and. Uh, All right. Pog wants to go to sleep. That's what that means. All right. See y'all <laughs> tomorrow. 
Okay. I'll work the audio and I'll send it to you. You can put put this in your sub stack. Okay. See you then.